Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include property values continuing to rise, my interview with Mark Wilson, managing partner of CWDL on lender philosophies in a rapidly changing market, and what to look forward to in the bond market this week. Today's podcast is brought to you by CWDL. When it comes to organizational finances, In heavily regulated industries, the devil is in the details. Finding a partner who can extract actionable insights from complex data can mean the difference between sleepless anxiety and a clear-eyed understanding of what's ahead. CWL's mortgage industry-specific audit, accounting, tax, and consulting solutions help you better understand the present so you can plan for the future. They know what it's like to be in your shoes, so they take an entrepreneurial approach to your finances, helping you maximize profit and capitalize on emerging opportunities. Even amidst volatile markets and seismic industry shifts, CWDL is here with the guidance you need to see beyond today and make confident decisions about tomorrow. See what's possible with CWDL. Property values are continuing higher, although it is area-dependent. Economist Elliot Eisenberg observed that over the past year, house prices have risen a whopping 18.8% due largely to COVID-19 and the work-from-home phenomenon. Over the past 12 months, the largest house price gains have been in warm-weather cities like Phoenix, Tampa, Miami, Dallas, San Diego, and Las Vegas, which all saw year-over-year gains exceeding 25%. Conversely, Washington, Minneapolis, Chicago, Cleveland, Boston, New York, and Detroit, or colder-weather cities, all saw gains below 15%. Values are affecting homebuyer sentiment more than what is happening in Ukraine. Remember, what happens with the uncertainty in Ukraine has little effect on the desire of Mr. and Mrs. Renter, who are paying $2,000 a month in rent, and can buy an existing home that helps build wealth and have a mortgage payment of $1,800. Maybe they want a new home. For today's interview, I wanted to bring on Mark Wilson, managing partner of CWDL and a former independent mortgage banker. Prior to starting CWDL, Mark found and exited a privately held independent mortgage bank in San Diego. He has also served as a CFO for multiple financial service firms and participated in raising capital and M&A transactions. During his time in the mortgage industry, Mark experienced a lack of accounting and consulting services available to support lenders. So he created his own firm to help lenders navigate the complexities of the industry. Mark's personal experience as a lender provides CWDL with a client-sided approach to finding solutions for their clients. Hey, Mark, how you doing? I'm well, how are you doing? Fantastic. Thanks, Good. Thanks for making Good. some time for me today. Oh, I'm happy to, happy to be part of it for sure. Jump right in. All right, let's, let's do it then. What are some of the biggest issues that you see lenders facing in 2022? Well, you know, obviously we just come through historically high, high volumes and a lot of people have mortgages that are under 3%. So um, after record-breaking years, I think many of our independent banking clients um, expanded their workforce. You know, maybe they've increased even some of their fixed costs and throwing various money um, or a lot of money at various tools to help digest that volume. And the one thing we know about the mortgage industry is it's always has changed. There's always constant changes happening, and we've moved to a. a a market where we have rising interest rates and decreasing volume. So when those two factors exist, you know, companies 
really have to focus on their company and and make really smart decisions. And hopefully they have good fundamentals in place because anybody that's been around this industry knows that market cycles are inevitable. In addition to those fundamentals, what should lenders' you know, philosophy be going into a changing market like this? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, we all know that we go through these cycles, but we talk about having this profit first mentality um, for these mortgage banks. And, and that involves the lenders looking at their predictable revenue and understanding how, how to make sure what, what's the minimum amount of profit they should, they should accept. For example, if, if you set your minimum profit at 10%, you could look at your predictable revenue and you would know the difference that 90% is how you can manage your company and make sure that your expenses are in line with really building out a way to guarantee some profitability. Um, there's actually a really easy book to read called Profit First that kind of talks through that philosophy, kind of not, not specifically for mortgage bankers, but has, has some, some neat tools in there that you can use. But we, we bring up this profit first mentality. Sometimes clients feel like that's kind of a heartless thing. And they say, we're, we're really a people first kind of company, not a profit first kind of company. And I always back that if, if you're not profitable, there's no way you can be people first. And so um, not to mention you have covenants that you're, you need to be profitable. So by kind of looking at it that way, kind of changing the formula of income minus expenses equal profit, take income minus your profit equals your expenses, you might be able to deal with these, um, these market fluctuations in a, in a better way and really help build your company around that philosophy. I mean, I can tell you, you know, when I owned a mortgage company during the last crash, we, I, I really wish I took that philosophy. I think as a business owner, we build operations and we bring people in and we care about their families. And sometimes we hold on to those people a little bit longer than we should. So I think it's, you know, it, it it's our responsibility to make these tough decisions. And sometimes that means, um, right-sizing your company because you just know where you're at and don't wait, don't, don't wait too long. I think, um, I'll meet with clients that really in 2018 was, was the last time we had to deal with this, but they'll say that we're we're just one, one great producing branch away from being profitable. We we just need to wait to get that branch. And, And my argument was, well, we need to make decisions based on what's happening today in your business. Um, let's make sure you're profitable now. And then if we have to go out and get additional people or spend additional marketing resources, we can do that. So um, it's really that philosophy around making sure that you're profitable. And I think being scalable in both ways is good, both both to add staff and to to trim staff. Let's dig into profit a little bit here. You, you mentioned uh, income minus expenses, but there's a lot more to it than that. What should lenders be evaluating to make sure they're being profitable? Yeah, besides everything. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think you have to plan where you're spending your money, you know, and how much you're spending in each area. Is it marketing, technology, people, or what should the mix actually be? Um, You know, a good good place of focus is, you know, you start with people. It's usually your your biggest expense and and understand how how much work they're doing. Is it meeting the industry standards. I mean, is your, are your underwriters looking at 10 files a month? Or are they looking at 40 files a month? And, and how does that compare to your peer group, making sure that you have a properly staffed um, operations group? Are they being efficient? So you look at your efficiency and, and your processes. 
Do you have the best technology? Are, are you helping support your, your staff to be able to manufacture that loan at the lowest amount possible? And then, and then marketing strategy. We're coming out of time when consumer direct lenders, especially in 2020, had remarkable years. 21 was a little bit more difficult, but um, understanding where this market is going and where you're spending your marketing dollars is, is going to be really, really important. So looking at that, that's part of it. Um, loan officers also have to go through a change. I think over the last couple of years, loan officers have been talking about low interest rates, and that's been why they've got, you know, they've been able to originate a lot of volume. They need to shift into a more consultative approach now where they're talking about home ownership and, and the tax benefits of that and creating personal wealth. And then looking at maybe refinancing some more expensive debt by taking money out of their house to pay that off. So all of these different things and, and looking at your current LOs and what their strategy is and helping them understand how to sell uh, maybe a little bit have a higher rate than they've had to sell in the past and how to deal with that. So lots of different moving parts, but really looking at all those areas. And I mean, <laughs> we could talk about secondary market too, um, which is probably the biggest and most important category. If you consider a loan officer who comes in and asks for a concession to get a deal done, the company is the only one that's participating in that expense because they're compensation is the same. So if you're paying a loan officer 150 basis points and you're making 100 basis points less in the secondary market, you're the one that's experiencing all that cost. So, And that has a profound effect on your profitability. As I was talking to some of our audit partners, I mean, almost across the board, the fair value of, of all of our clients' pipeline is drastically lower. Um, and the, a big part of that is, is LO compensation has remained the same, but the amount of money that our clients are making um, when they sell the loan is less. And so having those conversations with LOs is, becomes really, really important as you go through this market change as margins are going down. And that that is immediately an effect on your bottom line. You know, look at your investor sets. See, are you optimizing that? Are you making sure? Sure you're delivering the right loans to the investors that are going to pay up for them, um, making sure you have a good hedge advisory firm to help you. I mean, all of these things, and I think most of these clients have that, but it's a good time to take a moment to circle back and look. I think when volumes are high, you're just trying to get them as many loans through the machine as you possibly can. Now is the time to relook at all these, these different areas and, and making sure that you're maximizing the amount of money you can make on a per loan basis. Um, so you can remain solvent in in a time like this that's changing. Yeah, the the narrative this year was always going to be falling originations and shrinking margins, but you know we've seen some volatility introduced into the market, both with people wondering how hawkish the Fed is going to be, and then with this recent Russian invasion in Ukraine. What are some of the yeah. pitfalls that you're already seeing in this market? Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to a client just last week that they had. They had this uh, one of their top producers. They discovered had committed some fraud on a, on a on a loan that had come through. And I said, "Well, what do you what did you do about that? I mean, are you are you getting rid of the producer? I mean, historically, that would have been this person's approach." And um, they said that their their partner was real hesitant to do that and came up with a plan of let's just we're just going to watch their loans a little bit cl- more closely. And um, I think that's because 
you know, as, as volumes go down, every loan becomes more and more important. And there's a tendency to maybe loosen up on some of your standards um, and try to get as much volume in as you, as you can. You know, obviously the, the risk of a bad loan is huge and the loss that you take on that is just not worth it. So making sure that you're staying true to who you are as a company, don't take shortcuts, make sure that, you know, if you have people that are acting poorly, that you take the appropriate action and, um, and have conversations about that. That's the only way you sustain in, in a market like this and making sure you have the right LOs that understand that, that are part of your team um, to help you, help you get through that. And the other thing is, I think there's a tendency to chase loan officers for volume. Um, obviously, a lot of these clients, their customer is the loan officer. And so they want to bring on loan officers to give signing bonuses um, for promises of, of origination volume. And I just say, be very cautious what they did last year and the year before might have nothing to do with what they're going to do in 22 and 23. So be very, very cautious on making those type of decisions. Be careful on taking on additional fixed costs, office leases that aren't month to month that go for a long period of time as you're expanding your branch model. And um, once again, I can't stress it enough. Rank your loan officers by concessions. Make sure that you're paying attention. Um, I can't tell you how many times we enter in a consulting arrangement and the top producer is the one that is making the least amount of money because, you know, they're, they're giving away the rates in the house. And, and really, like I said before, their compensation remains the same. So you need to pay attention to that, um, especially when there's a margin deterioration like we've seen. Well, I think your answers are very practical rather than doom and gloom. I would like to end this interview on a highly positive note and say, what are some of the opportunities for growth you're seeing in this market? Yes, finally some good news. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the MBA is forecasting, you know, record purchase originations. And so if you're a purchase originator or want to be a purchase originator, there's market share and opportunities that exist out there. There's there's still ways to make prop, you know, make money in this industry, in this market. Uh, good operators make money in any market, and there's there's plenty of opportunity for that. There might be some consolidation that comes through this, which will have additional opportunities for the for the companies that have good operations. And and make sure you're following your KPIs, right? I mean, if you have a good system, a good reporting system that um, can track all of the things we talked about today. You really have your fingers on the pulse of your company to make these informed decisions um, and really win market share in the long run. And of course, if rates go up and you're able to get that business in, eventually there'll be a refinance market in the future. So um, lots of different things you can still do. And I think there's plenty of opportunity that remains in, in the industry, obviously, for, for people to be very, very successful. I couldn't agree more. And uh, thank you very much for coming on and taking the time. This was a great interview. Really appreciate you having me. Diane. Thanks so much. Market influencing news over last week was dominated by the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the fallout from sanctions as well as uncertainty around the potential outcomes of the conflict. While the initial market reaction was the expected flight to safety, all treasury yields finished last week higher 
and all signs still point to the Federal Reserve moving to tighten monetary policy at its upcoming meeting, despite uncertainty posed to the global economy by Russia's invasion. Traders have pulled back bets on the Federal Reserve aggressively hiking interest rates next month, with odds now at 75% for a 25 basis point hike, what is expected to be the first of five this year, and 25% for 50 basis points. Additionally, the Fed is about to wrap up its purchases of MBS in March, so that removes much of the downward pressure on mortgage rates. Fed Governor Waller commented on the Fed's balance sheet to close last week, saying, quote, I do not see the need to consider asset sales anytime soon, end quote, because of large caps and sizable amounts of securities maturing over the next couple of years, which buoyed the MBS market. Before Fed speakers enter the blackout period next week, ahead of the March 15th and 16th Federal Open Market Committee meeting, Chair Powell will deliver the semi-annual monetary policy report to Congress and answer questions before the House Financial Services Committee tomorrow and then the Senate Banking Committee on Wednesday. Last week, the desk of the New York Fed purchased $2.3 billion per day on average compared with originator supply of around $4.5 billion. Today, the desk will be in to buy a maximum of $4.6 billion, which includes Thursday's postponed operation in UMBS 32% and 2.5%. Prior to that, the desk will be in UMBS 33% and 3.5%, as well as Gini 2, 2.5% through 3.5%. These will be the last operations on the current schedule, with a new one released this afternoon that is expected to be around $25 billion across two weeks. The Fed's favorite price pressure gauge, the PCE deflator, remained high in January, rising 5.2% year-over-year, and December's growth was revised higher. Despite rising prices, consumer spending rose 1.5% for the month, and expectations for a shift from goods to services spending are high given declining Omicron cases. Manufacturers still face supply challenges, which are keeping inventories low and increasing unfilled orders. Home builders continue to face the same supply issues as the number of homes sold where construction has not started reached its highest level at 106,000 homes in January. At some point, one might expect the combination of rising rates and rising home prices to weigh on the housing market. But for the moment, demand remains strong. NARS pending home sales index for January unexpectedly dropped 5.7% when it was expected to increase 1%. This was the third consecutive decline, with January's level the lowest since April 2021, and the second lowest since May 2020. Affordability and inventory at an all-time low means that buyers are still having a difficult time finding a home. Between rising mortgage rates, home costs, and inventory, it would not be surprising to see a retreat in housing demand. The economic sanctions enacted against Russia have increased concerns over commodity prices, but that is more in regard to the price of oil, as Russia accounts for 10% of the global supply. This week sees several key releases, including January construction spending, February ISM manufacturing, ADP employment, the Fed's beige book, and the all-important February payrolls on Friday. Today's economic calendar is modest and includes advanced economic indicators for January, Chicago PMI for February, and the Dallas Fed manufacturing index for February. The last day of February starts with agency MBS prices up better by a quarter to three-eighths, and the 10-year yielding 1.91 after closing last week at 1.99%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. A friend asked what parenting toddlers is like. So I hid her keys, hid her wallet, hit her TV remote, hit her phone, spilled some milk on the floor, pulled her hair, then headbutted her in the face. And then I told her I loved her more than the stars. Thanks again to CWDL, providing industry-specific audit, accounting, and tax solutions that help you better understand the present so you can plan for the future. See what's possible 
CWDL. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.